All right, let's check in with the wife. Here it comes. It's the Pith of Pop, the podcast edition with my dear sweet wife, Jen. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Hi. So uh, what's on your mind right now? We actually got out to see a couple of movies in the last week. That's right. Very rare for us, but uh, we snuck out to actually see something in theater. So we're kind of current. So what are the movies you wanted to talk about? Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, A Little Miss Sunshine, and Mm. Brick. Okay. Uh, Brick actually is not in theaters. That was a DVD, Mm -hmm. but uh, we really, really were looking forward to that. We completely missed it, so uh, we waited for a release date and got it on uh, Netflix. But let's start with The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. It might be just me getting old and cynical and hating the world, but (laughs) there's something about really big, dumb, stupid, pointless comedy movies that I actually really love, and I've kind of becoming a fan of will ferrell and you know big stupid movie is exactly what this was i mean it's not overselling itself in any way but uh will ferrell you know for me originally he was sort of in that category a lot of people put uh, jim carrey in which is not worth your time total waste of money you know just really going for the lowest common denominator but you know i'm also coming to appreciate him i think uh there's there's some comedic genius there there's a lot of comedic genius in this movie besides will ferrell there's a guy named John C. Riley, and yeah, yeah. you've seen him in a movie, guaranteed, if you've been to a movie ever, you've seen him. Chicago. Chicago, uh, um, lots of things. But he is a comic genius. He is the funniest person in this movie. Oh, really? You thought so? I thought he was just amazing. And, of course, you had Sasha Cohen. Uh, yeah, a.k.a. Ollie G. He mm-hmm. was really big, I guess, in Europe, playing this character, And Ollie in a Madonna G. video. Yeah. But, you know, it it is really dumb, stupid, broad humor, but there is a little bit of smarts in there. Yeah, you were saying something about uh, you being from the South. There were a mm-hmm. lot of things that you found absolutely hilarious that uh, I think some people in Hawaii might not really understand. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a niche thing, you know. You have to either have grown up around NASCAR or grown up in the South kind of to get some of it. But the other thing that I liked about this film, and the thing that's proving to me that there's more to Will Ferrell than stupid, is that there were a number of really obscure pop culture references and not necessarily pop culture references that uh, it was funny in the theater. There'd be little pockets of people that would get one thing here and get something else here. Uh, The other thing I liked about the film is that Will Ferrell, I think, really can get into the power of the awkward pause. And uh, it seemed like there was a lot of improvisation in this film as well. Tons of improvisation. Tons. The whole baby Jesus thing. If you (laughs) if you watch through the credits, you can see John C. Riley just going off, you know, coming up with stuff. And I guess, you know, they finally found one that really worked well. But you can you know, there's tons of stuff that they're just making up off the top of their heads. And that's really fun. Absolutely. I mean, you know, as far as comedy goes, there was everything here. You had really, really genuinely clever humor. You had total lowbrow humor. You had uh, slapstick physical humor, uh, obscure pop culture references. They talked about Highlander. That's right. There's the whole Highlander bit. Just every little thing in the the music video reference uh, that they were talking about yeah the white snake so uh you know a big send-up of nascar of southern culture and and, and of american culture and and apart for someone who's just really really serious i think there's something in this movie for everyone i definitely wouldn't discount it i've heard reviews where people have mentioned that the characters are really not likable and so therefore it's not a good sports movie and i and i can kind of see that argument but i still had a lot of fun you know we paid the money and i feel like 
the hour and a half that we saw was was totally worth it because we got some laughs. Right. You go in expecting what you get. And in fact, you're surprised. I think you're pleasantly surprised. So definitely uh, recommend it. Now, the second film on your list, I would have to say, is sort of on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, Tell us about Little Miss Sunshine. It's a dysfunctional family road picture. It's a small indie film, and it stars actually some really good names. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Greg Kinnear is in it. Um, Adam Arkin is in it. Tony Collette, who was in Muriel's Wedding. And they're all really great. Steve Carell as well. From The Daily Show. I think he's fantastic in this film. You might discount him like you would Will Ferrell, but I think this movie proves that there's more to him. And uh, the little girl, the focus of the story, uh, little Abigail Breslin. She plays a little girl named Olive who has been selected as runner-up in a beauty pageant, and her family has to drive her to California to attend this beauty contest. And everything that could possibly go wrong on the road does. Right. I mean, and this sounds like a really conventional setup for this kind of a movie, but with this cast and with this script, it really was something special, I thought. It is because the the family, all individually, they're all kind of going through a really hard time, and it's about the struggles that they all face, but it's very funny. Yeah, I mean, this movie is not funny in the way that uh, Talladega Nights is, but it's funny in a, in a painful way. It's it's funny in a dramatic way. And uh, each of these characters are full people. I mean, you could take, take each one of them individually and, and do a study on them. And I think it's testament to the actors in this film that they really own these characters. Steve Carell really brings his character to life. He plays a Proust scholar, and he's tortured. He just has gone through a horrible breakup. And he, Steve Carell, is able to portray the the pathos of this character, but also have a really wry and dry sense of humor. Absolutely. Um, Steve Carell really surprised me, and I think he'll surprise a lot of people in this film. If this wasn't an Oscar-worthy performance, it shows that he's got one in him somewhere. And uh, Greg Kinnear, the patriarch of this dysfunctional family, was also incredible in the sense that he was a completely unlikable character. Loathsome, uh, Somebody you hate, but you love to hate. And also, like with the rest of the characters in this film, you witness him go through a very real transformation, a growth process. And it's subtle, the, the changes that he goes through and the the revelations that he gets it's really subtle and really well written it, it is and they're all well written and and all of these characters are great characters and they experience change and and there's a there's a sulky teenager in this family like there is in all dysfunctional families uh Dwayne, he's played uh, by paul dano yep and uh, to his credit he spends 90 percent of this film completely silent and yet again with him you have some of the best moments in the film uh, and really the little girl abigail breslin playing olive i mean wasn't she just precious She's adorable. I mean, she was great. She's she was cute and lovable, but in a totally real, non you know, schmarmy, non sickening sort of way. Someone you, I could see Katie in her, right? You could, yeah, and I think a lot of people saw their own family or their own daughters in that character. The best scenes with her are the scenes that she has with Adam Arkin. Oh, the grandfather. They're just they have such a chemistry. You could you could see that Adam Arkin maybe even thought of Abigail as maybe somebody like his own grandchild. Yeah, I mean uh, they 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 might seem mismatched on some level. Then you might look at this this interaction and think there's no way I would let a man like him near a girl like her. But yet somehow the affections seem really genuine. They seem to really love each other. Those were those were wonderful scenes. But you know, lest you get the impression that this is this is exactly the kind of indie artsy totally you know overly intellectual film. Uh, some of the best parts of this film are shocking.
talking in a very bass sort of way. It just they just whack you over the head. Yeah, Grandpa has a really interesting conversation with his grandson, and there's uh, some strong language. But I mean, there's there's everything from gay porn to a, a dance number that I don't even want to get into. And so, you know, on many levels, this film is 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 just fantastic. It can be both silly and broad and painful and and embarrassing and, but it's very sweet very charming and you can walk out of the theater smiling yeah i mean i would say probably the best film so far we've seen this year yeah definitely hands down all right so those were our two uh it's now in theaters films let's get on to the dvd rental of the week brick brick is great Actually, Brick is even better the second time you see it. I would agree with that. And I would definitely recommend putting on the captions. It might be a pain in the butt to read them, but you will really get a good sense of what everybody is saying, what everybody is talking about. Well, yeah, let's get into that. I mean, one thing about Brick, I mean, Brick, in a way, to me, came off initially as an exercise in filmmaking. I mean, it was like, let's take some of the various deep concepts of movie making and use it in a contemporary setting. But uh, there's also a lot of interesting, affected language in this film that uh, is really hard to follow. It's a combination of modern teenage slang and... Like 1930s gangster speak. Right. It's The funny thing about the, the dialogue in this movie is there's not a single swear word. It's a movie about drugs and it's a movie about violence. And, and about high school kids. That doesn't include a single curse word. It's uh, sort of a, a classic whodunit. It's basically a, a young man loses his girlfriend and tries to get to the bottom of it and in the process discovers an underworld of seedy, you know, gangsters and drug dealers. But it's not really so much the story, which may or may not be easy to follow. It's really just how all of this is presented, how it's shot, the cinematography, how the characters interact, and really the language that they use. It's kind of almost Twin Peaks-like. I like to say that if David Lynch and John Hughes got together and directed a film noir movie, this is what it would be. That's right. I, I think that's very apt. It's really hard to pin down a time on this film. It's really hard to figure out what time period this this is all supposed right. to be Right. You have happening. some really gorgeous classic cars, but you also have cellular phones. Um, but yet there are people, characters that dress in like period costumes from the 40s and 50s as well, it seems like. There's a bit in the movie where uh, the protagonist goes to the villain's house and the set is very Twin Peaks-like. He walks in and it's a big, completely wood-paneled room and it's oddly lit and contains really strange furniture and it reminded me a lot of something from Twin Peaks. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, really, it's uh, not just the movie, it's how it's made. Uh, the director... Uh, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, he he kind of occurs to me like, uh, like a Quentin Tarantino in Making Kill Bill where is is largely an exercise in filmmaking as much as it is a film. You know, but 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 lest this all sound like an academic exercise, the the actors are great in this film as well. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who was the kid in Third Rock from mm -hmm. the Sun, he's all in grown this. Up. And this movie really borrows a lot of film noir conventions. You know, you have the flawed hero and the femme fatale. Absolutely. While Joseph plays the flawed hero, but he's a great character. Um, Claire is in this movie. Yeah, Emily Duravin, who plays Claire on Lost. She has very few scenes, but you thought she did really well. I thought she was really good. She really took that one part and created a really compelling character and she well she had a phone scene as well right 
So two scenes. Oh, and Shaft is in this movie. Oh, yeah, Shaft as well. But, uh, you know, I like what you said about the noir conventions. The the great thing is it's like it's taking that, but it puts it in a high school setting. You know, the John Hughes thing you said. I mean, you've got gangsters. You've got heroes. You've got drug dealers. Yet it's all taking place in the context of high school kids. Which means that they all live with parents and, you know, have curfews and stuff. And there's a scene where a couple of thugs are beating a kid up and they bring him upstairs and the thug's mom serves them cereal and milk and juice that's right and it's like when they have to get somewhere they have to talk about can you get your mom's car and you know the power you know the the big brother character in the film is the vice principal of the high school all of that stuff is great i mean the setup is just delicious i mean i i really enjoyed this film i liked it even more the second time around you know what i gotta agree it kind of benefits maybe from that second viewing because uh, after we watched it the first time we were up all night trying to figure out exactly what was going on and what meant what so on one sense it's it's a great mental exercise but i agree that you might just have more fun watching it twice so uh we haven't done this in a while let's get some star ratings from you jen how how really did you like these three films i liked talladega nights Probably enough to give it three and a half stars. Sure. I mean, again, for what it is, it's it's pretty good. Little Miss Sunshine definitely earned five. Uh, absolutely. Best film of the year so far. And I would have to give Brick maybe four and a half. Mm, great film as well. And, you know, again, all three of these films are very, very different, but all worth your time. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Jen. My pleasure.